Welcome to the Small Church Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we are helping the small church fulfill the big mission. My name is Brian. I am a fellow small church pastor in the trenches with all of you wonderful people, and I am joined alongside myself by two amazing and wonderful people. Well, yeah, I mean that. Joey and Colby. Guys, what's up? My life is dope, and I do dope things. And I'm blessed. That's right. See, I love that. This is consistency, and consistency matters. You know, speaking of consistency mattering, I'm getting to that age where my doctor is asking me questions about consistency, and uh, no, I'm just teasing with you. I didn't have anything else to say about consistency, so I figured a poop joke would be good, so... There you it's go. It's been a while. We've been able to fend those off for a long time. I wonder time how long that's been. We should go back and listen to the last I think episodes. We're right. How okay. you doing? I'm Let's doing change well, the subject. Man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing very consistent. There you uh, go. I brought it back around. Okay. So guys, today we kick off this new series. We're going to be talking for at least three weeks or three episodes on ministry stress points. Like, did you guys know that ministry can be stressful? I've heard that. Yeah, I, I was, I've heard other people say it was, but you know. Yeah, it's definitely other people. It's not our ministries, right? I love the memes that uh, say ministry is not hard, and it's like a 80 year old person says, I'm 36 and I can handle anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's amazing how not stressful ministry can be. And there are a handful of areas where ministry just brings significant stress points. You know, there's really a reason you look at those statistics and see that there are so many pastors that, that leave the ministry per month. And man, I mean, that is just a frightening statistic. I know for me personally, I've seen myself kind of on the bubble of like, man, one or two more things happen and I'm going to be in, in that number of that statistic. And I don't know if I should say thankfully or woefully God has brought me back <laughs> from the edge, but man, ministry can be super stressful. So today we're kicking this series off and we're talking about ministry stress that, that bleeds over into our marriage. So we're calling this episode, you ready? Help! Ministry is killing my marriage. You guys ever felt like that? Don't say yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I felt like that. Yeah, absolutely. Ministry can be difficult on our marriages from time to time. And so there are kind of some big things that that jump out at us whenever we're talking about ministry marriage stress. So I just want to ask this question. What are some of the problems that ministry causes in the leader's marriage? Sometimes uh, we call them uh, ministry widows where the... uh the, the the spouse, the wife, in most cases, is left by herself to raise a child or fifteen, and uh, it's all on all on her to do it because the husband is in the in the pulpit in the church doing ministry late at night ministry, all this other stuff. Yeah, and that that's I think every listener would be like, "Yep, I've been there yeah. at some point." You know, you're you're praying for city council, you're going to hospital visits, you're expected to be at any and everything. And so ministry widows are, are real. Joe, you have anything you want to jump in with that? Uh, the other thing is unrealistic or invalid expectations on the pastor from, from the ministry and or on the pastor's spouse from the ministry. Yeah, why don't you unpack that a little bit? Well, <laughs> so the church will have expectations. Sometimes they don't even know their expectations until you don't meet them, right? Uh, and then they're uh, mad because the pastor didn't meet these other expectations that we didn't tell him he was supposed to meet. Or the pastor's, the pastor wife before did this. And so now we're expecting to get a right. two for one. We expect not only the pastor to work full time in ministry, <laughs> but his wife to do these yeah. things that nobody else wants to do for free. For, for free. free. Right. Yeah. For free. And funny story that actually happened to me. 
Um, I had at somebody say to me, yeah, one of our former pastors, we got a two for one deal with him because his wife played the piano and, and yabba dabba dabba. And I'm like, do you, do you hear, like, I, I want you to say it out loud again and hear what it sounds like, what you just said, a two for one deal. And like, you may have thought that that was a good deal you got with previous pastor, but you kind of just low key insulted me and my wife that she, what she does is not good enough to be considered a two for one deal. There's this crazy invalid expectation, man. Yeah. This is something I lived out personally. Uh, I worked for a guy one time in ministry. We had a Christian school that we were starting, uh, and we were doing a ministry too. And I had to work 40 hours a week, uh, Monday through Friday. And then Friday night and Saturday, the expectation was, cause I don't want to go home to my family. I don't know what it was. He didn't like being home with his family, apparently. <laughs> uh, you got to stay here and on free on, on volunteer basis, help me get this building ready for what we're going to be doing, trying to do with this building. And so I had the expectation and I've got, would get yelled at and fussed at if I wasn't there was for, I needed to be there Monday through Friday. Uh, and then Bible studies and everything. And then Friday night, be there to help out till late. And then Saturday all day to help out till late. Uh, at that time, my wife, my, my, my family was closer than her family. So she was packing up every weekend and going to my family and staying. So when I got home on Saturday night, she wasn't even there then. And that's such a crazy story. Like the, to think that you're already working 40 hours, right? Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and you're being at Bible studies plus, yeah. and all of that stuff, right? And cause that's something I don't think that people realize the stress that pastors are under. Like if you have a Wednesday night service, that's a, that's work for us. Like we're still, we're on the clock, but some churches don't view that as on the clock. And then you're still having to work extra hours forced overtime. Like that, that's something, man, it goes back in with ministry widows as well with these unrealistic expectations. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I, I used to make that joke that I only worked on Sundays until people started believing it. <laughs> and so I was like, I need to make sure that they understand that putting in a little bit more than just, uh, just, uh, the, the Sunday morning, uh, worship yeah. service time. Yeah. And I knew a pastor that, um, his, he, his wife, uh, when she was growing up, she was a, uh, um, she wasn't the widow because it was her dad that was the pastor, but, um, her mom was the, the yeah. ministry widow. So because, she would be an orphan. Yeah. She, she was, she was, she was, uh, orphaned there. And, um, and so when she became a pastor's wife, she was very, she went, overboard sort of and instead of um uh you know talking it through she was very demanding my husband won't work past noon uh my husband won't be here for more than 20 minutes after the worship service uh so, so because she had experienced that as a child dad was gone all the time she didn't want her, she didn't want her husband to leave the kids all the time and so she that affected that affected them uh tremendously in their ministry um, because the church was like, uh, we're not really sure that this is going to work out yeah. because uh, she went overboard on, on that. And there wasn't that balance uh, of time management and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's, it could be very difficult, you know, when we have these time expectations on us and <clears throat> then it bleeds over into kind of how we operate with our, our families, with our spouses, with so on and so forth. You know, here's another one that we don't like to talk about, but that's dealing with criticism and abuse. And that can really bleed over into our marriage. And I, Joey's looking at me. He's wondering what that word criticism is. Yeah, what, what is that? Yeah, I don't so, understand see, that. Joey, you are our resident super pastor, so you've never been <laughs> criticized. Oh, and, Lord have mercy. And no one has ever 
prayed for your death or any of that kind of stuff. But <laughs> that was the last episode. <laughs> that was right. Prophesied. But prophesied. That's prophesied. I'm, sorry. I, well, my I'm sure God. some were praying too. They were yeah, praying. Yes. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even yeah, yeah, yeah now, Lord, now. Like, you know, there's an old saying: if you're gonna uh, lead the band, you got to face the music. And that's what happens in leadership. You're going to be criticized. I think it was Steve Jobs that said, if you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream because mm-hmm. leadership's not for you. And what happens is we can get criticized. And then I don't know if most of our listeners realize this or not, but when we're criticized, our spouses tend to take that personally as well. This happened to me personally, whereas I got into an issue with, with someone who was a part of our church they started saying a bunch of negative things about me online and then unfriended and blocked me and unfriended and blocked my wife. And I'm going, now, wait a minute. She had nothing to do with this. Like, this is your beef with me, not your beef with her. And uh, to be very pop culture-ish, I wanted to Will Smith, oh boy. But that's <laughs> another story for another day. But like... Too soon. This Too soon? Too soon. Sorry. Um, but like, like, man, criticism is real that comes in and it impacts our marriages. Another thing is abuse. Like, I was a part of a church uh, whenever I was in college that the pastor and some of the key board members were just not seeing eye to eye on some issues. And it ultimately turned into, man, this just nasty uh, uh, dismissal of the pastor. And, and it was just a t- terribly negative thing. But during the process, some of the board members actually convinced their families and their other families that were not on the board to stop tithing so that the church finances would go down so that the pastor wouldn't have a salary. And one of them caught me in the parking lot. Now I'm a man, I'm a 19 year old college kid. I feel like Jesus has called me into ministry and all this. And, and this guy wags his finger in my face and he's like, you better get on our side before we run him out of town. Well, this guy was a young pastor in his, in his late thirties and he had three kids. And now as a pastor in my late thirties with three kids, I'm like, Oh, that's abuse. That is a, and, and, and sadly, this person that I'm talking about is no longer involved in ministry. And like that stuff is just real. And I know that there are so many of our listeners that are hearing and they may have listened to our latest episode on, on ministry hurt and all that. And, and you can't even listen to us without thinking about those expectations and those ministry stress points. Well, we've got some good news for you. While stress is real in ministry, so is God's goodness and grace. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But before we get to the good stuff, let's talk about some more bad news, right? Here's here's a question. Why do we allow ministry stress points into our marriages? Oh, I know for one reason, the reason I've allowed it in is because I needed to be needed. Uh, it was it felt it, it fulfilled a need in me. Uh, I wanted to succeed. I had that drive. I had that need into me to be successful. And so I'll do whatever it takes to be successful. And I'm putting the time in and, and not realizing what it's doing to the most important priority I got, which are my second one beside beyond my relationship with God. And that's my family, man. Like there's something I think that is instinctive in all of us that we want to be the hero of the story. Yeah. And, you know, part of us as pastors is we love serving the body. We love serving people. And we also, while it's not our favorite thing, we don't typically, we don't hate sacrifice. And so we're willing to sacrifice for the needs of ministry. But what can tend to happen, as you're saying here, Joey, is we can go overboard with that. And we don't realize that instead of sacrificing for ministry, what we are sacrificing is our family on the altar of ministry. It's okay when I'm making the sacrifice, but when I'm making making my family make the sacrifice too without 
consulting them and getting their permission to make the sacrifice, mm-hmm. that's where the problem comes in. Yeah, that's so good, man. So, Colby, man, what's some things that are from your perspective on why we allow this? I think that there is a, a fear, and although we are told multiple times in Scripture not to fear, but we have this fear of the consequences of standing up for ourselves. I mean, talking about that pastor that, uh, you know, there were some differences, and if we say something, they'll stop tithing. If we say something, we're driven. Small church leaders are driven to get volunteers. We cannot do church without volunteers. We need them. Uh, every church does. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but small churches really, we rely on volunteers. And, and if I, if I say something or I stand up for myself, is that going to upset the volunteer to the point where they're going to say, well, fine, then I'll just leave and you can do it yourself. And, and so we kind of have that fear of losing people. We have that fear of losing good, great, wonderful volunteers. And I think sometimes that just gets us to just shut our mouths and, you know, just take one on the chin and turn the other cheek and all that other. Mm-hmm. Man, like I, I really, really dislike you right now for, for saying that because I, I live there, especially as a, I would love to say I'm a recovering people pleaser, but I'm not even recovering. Like I still want to please people. I have this need to be needed, like Joey's saying. And um, I have a friend. I'll say it that way. I have a friend whose wife told him one time before, you're a lot nicer to other people than you are to me. And if somebody from church needed you for this, you would be right there for them. And I, my friend, I mean, was like, ouch, like that's, that's hard truth that I, I am fearful of losing people. So I will bend and receive abuse and turn my family into widows and orphans for the sake of ministry. I I know here's another one that is really big for why we allow this is that there's some really personal, unrealistic expectations. And, and I would even go so far as to say some of them are invalid expectations. Like in our minds, we have a picture of this is what a pastor is supposed to do. A pastor supposed to sacrifice. I mean, after all, did, didn't like Paul, he sacrificed for the ministry, right? Like Peter, he was crucified upside down for Jesus and, and for ministry there in Rome when he was there. So my goodness, shouldn't we as pastors sacrifice for ministry as well? Like, come on guys, like <laughs> this is the right thing to do, right? But unfortunately, sometimes we go overboard with that and we get into this kind of martyr complex, right? Yeah. Where I have to be the one that shows up and saves the day and, and, God will take care of my family because I'm taking care of the, the business of God. Well, simply put, if you're married, your family is the business of God. And I can take you to a place in the Bible that says that. First Corinthians chapter 7, a married man's priorities are not the Lord. They are to how he can please his spouse, how he can take care of his spouse. And so uh, kind of iffy there, right, guys? Like maybe I'm on the wrong side. Well, that carries us to another one that reason loud. We got the priorities in the wrong place. And we don't have our family in its proper priority. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I'm reading this book, um, Undistracted by Bob Goff. It's his new book. And, and he talks about that word priority. And I never knew this, but when, priority is relatively a new word. And when it was first developed, there was no plural to that word. It was priority because it was the number one important thing, the one important thing that you had to, you had to take care of. Uh, but over time, we we want multiple things to make them uh, as our priorities. And so these priorities are uh, sometimes it's it's whatever somebody tells us they need to be instead of what they truly need to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why they get out of order sometimes. And um, and sometimes, you know, I was thinking about this too, is we may have uh, a time where growing up, we saw, we don't see behind the scenes. If you're not 
in on staff or you've never been a pastor, you don't know what happens behind the closed doors. You don't know what happens in the meetings. So you see your pastor and you're thinking your pastor is doing all of these things. You don't realize that that pastor is the one that was being abused. Uh, you didn't know that. So you're doing what you saw being done. And, uh, and it's one of those things where you didn't realize yeah, you were too young. You didn't realize that there was abuse going on, mm-hmm. that there was there was uh, uh, unex, unexplained expectations, unrealistic expectations, and so you end up trying to mimic your maybe your mentor without realizing that 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 is not healthy. Either. Yeah, that is so big, and there have even been studies that have shown that people who grow up in abusive families, while even though they say I'm never going to marry somebody like that. Very oftentimes, that's the very person that they marry because they've grown up in that environment, and that's kind of all they know and what they gravitate towards. And I think that this is, we're talking about, you know, the ministry stress on our marriages, but also let's look at this from the church's perspective. Sometimes that's all the church knows. Sometimes in the greatest heyday of that church, they've had a board or, or whatever it is. Sometimes we demonize boards, and, and maybe we shouldn't. They've had whatever whatever structure it looks like that has been abusive, but... Can we be honest? Sometimes that creates some results, right? If we overwork, like if I go out and invite a thousand people, the law of averages is going to say that at some point people are going to start showing up. So if I work harder, in many cases, I'll see more results. In many cases, churches are like, well, buddy, the result, the buck stops here. We need you to work harder. And it just perpetuates that unhealthy, abusive, negative environment. And we've got to be able to take a step back and say, wait a second. Something's not working here. We've got to get our priority. If I'm understanding you correctly, Colby, that's what Bob Goff says. Yeah, like, and I, I I really like. I need to sit back and chew on that for a bit because I'm so driven that I have priorities. Mm -hmm. And oh man, so this is some good stuff. So here, here's the thing that I want us to shift into here. Let's talk about ways that we can actually work on this to make sure that we're not bringing ministry home and letting ministry, in a negative term, bringing ministry home. We're always, our our home is our ministry, right? But what can we do practically to make sure that we're guarding against and combating this stress in our marriages? I think we need to set the healthy boundaries. Yeah. That's, that's a start setting healthy boundaries. Um, uh, yeah, in my calendar, I have I have date night, and it goes. I mean, you can scroll through as far as my calendar will let you scroll through, and that date night is on that appointment every 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 Friday. Um, so I don't schedule anything over that time. I have to be intentional, and I started that when uh probably about a year after being a pastor because I, I just felt like I needed to make sure that that Marnie was my priority, and uh, and that I was focusing on her and. Uh, um, you know, still the, the technology gets in the way, but you know, with the phones and all that stuff, you got to be intentional about that as well. But uh, setting up those healthy boundaries and and we've said it uh, going old school. No is a complete sentence. Um, you can say no to things. Um, ministry will happen whether you're here or not. Um, we've had conversations about that all, uh, out there where if I were to die in a car accident today, this church, I would expect this church to do it, but this church would have a church service Sunday. You know, they would continue with ministry. And so they can continue with ministry. And so if I can't make something because my kid has a recital or my, my kid has a game or something like that, his senior year, my, my youngest son's senior year in high school playing baseball, I did not 
I was he, he they played a lot of Wednesday night games. I wasn't at Bible study his whole senior year uh, because his games were important to me. And so you gotta you gotta say no. And they may not like it. They may they may have some some grumblings about it, and that's okay. They can grumble. Um, they'll yeah. be all right. Because um, once the next thing happens, then then they'll grumble about something else. Yeah. So but, you know, and this is a really sensitive place because you have some pastors that their their job depends on whether or not they show up at these events. And so, like for them, you're saying, well, just let the church grumble about it, and they're going, well, I'll get fired about it. Hmm. And he, here's like what I would say to you: that is an extremely unhealthy culture and if they're not going to fire you over you spending time with your kids at, at, a, at a ball game they're going to fire you over something else right yeah, they'll find something you, you went to see the new avengers movie or something and they're like hey movies are the devil and they're going they're, they'll find something and so either to, you know john maxwell leadership expert he used to say this to people on his team either i'm going to change you or i'm going to change you and what he meant by that is either I'm going to help mold you into the leader you need to be, or I'm going to get rid of you and put somebody else in there. And I think that that's how you approach that church scenario. If they have problems with you missing a Wednesday night or a Thursday, whatever it is, because your kid has a game or because it's date night or something like that, you need to really renegotiate the culture of that church. Like that may not be the most healthy place for you to be at. And if you can't change that, I mean, that's, I don't want to say leave, but I'm going to say that's something to pay attention to. And the same person would have that expectation, and and you need to find expectations. We'll probably talk about that in a minute. But the same person has the expectation for you to be there Wednesday night would miss for their kids' game. Oh, they they would miss Easter Sunday. They yeah. miss Easter Sunday because it's raining. Not even for their kids' game, right? Yeah. yeah. Or or they didn't, and now their kids won't even speak to them, have nothing to do with them, and they don't want your kids yeah. to have anything to do with you either. Yeah. It's just a sad reality that there are many people that pull the strings in small churches that they know that the pastors need them. Either they need their finances or they need them volunteering, and so they kind of can bully. Mm-hmm. And and maybe we should do a totally different podcast to <laughs> help help pastor a totally different episode to help pastors like be able to stand up to that and lead in a more healthy way. I can be bought for that. I'll, I'll come to your church. You call me. I'll come to your church. I'll stand up to that bully. That's right. And that's a, actually that's a good perspective. A good tip yeah. is to have other people with weight come in and say something. And Kobe, when I say weight, I mean authority. I have less weight than I have. You absolutely have less yeah. weight than you do. How many but, did you lose on seventy five hard? I, I lost thirty nine. Thirty nine yeah. pounds. One pound days. for every year I've been alive. That's amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, like that's definitely a place for us to renegotiate some things. Here's another practical thing that Joey had kind of hit on before. He had talked about unrealistic expectations. Joey, some expectations are unrealistic and invalid. How can we figure out what a valid expectation is? Okay, a valid expectation needs to meet three criteria. Okay, I'm listening. I'm all ears. Number one is spoken. If it's not spoken, if it's not been communicated, if it's not written down somewhere, it's not a valid expectation. You see that preacher thing right there? Yep. He yeah. just said the same thing in three different ways? He did. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not communicated. It's not valid. Because we will, they will have expectations for you that that they never spoken. But when you don't meet them, right. then they're mad at you for And it happens in marriages, too. But you know, can, can, no. I just be, can I be honest for a second? I do that with my wife all the time. I will just get mad because she didn't read my mind. And then get mad if she tries to pull that same trick on me. So, 
Yeah, you can't. You never go wrong with over communicating your expectations, right? The second thing has got to be agreed upon. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're going to go to Colby because I don't want to. <laughs> what do you mean agreed upon? Because both parties have to agree upon that expectation. I can have an expectation and go, Brian. I need you to carry me to the airport at three o'clock tomorrow morning, which I don't. So don't worry about it. But uh, I ain't worried about it if you do. <laughs> And, and so I could be out on my porch at 2.45 waiting for you to show up. But if you didn't agree to carry me, then that's not a valid expectation. Yeah. So it's got to be communicated and it's got to be agreed upon. So here's the place where I guess some negotiation comes into play, right? Yeah. Like, so with this previous situation we were talking about with maybe the church expects you to be there and you've got kids ball games that are during that particular time, can you negotiate and talk about that? Now, uh, and and if you can't negotiate, then maybe back up and figure out why can't we negotiate on this. There seems to be a communication breakdown. So it's got to be spoken. It's got to be agreed upon. And then what's the third thing? It's got to be realistic. The person's got to have the ability to do it. And I think some uh, ministries put expectations on their, their – because they don't understand the limitations of their pastor. Yeah. Or that in that person, well, the person did it before me. Does it mean the person that there's that is there now has the ability yeah, to do it? That's so good. I think about this in my context. I'm a musician, and I've been a musician for man over well over half of my life now. And they used to say, they still say about musicians is they're temperamental, half temper and half mental. And you guys can probably say amen to that, but. Like my wife and I, we are all in with our praise and worship at our church. Like I play, I play guitar primarily. Um, and she sings and she helps with the leading and all of that stuff with that. And if we leave tomorrow, there's going to be probably an expectation, especially if the new pastor that comes in is musical. Like he may not want to get on the stage, but there's an expectation. Well, Pastor B was on the stage, so you got to be on the stage. And that doesn't always translate well. Yeah. If, if, I was to follow you next Sunday. Someone had me. I had I ended up at Ford Church next Sunday, and they expect me to get up there and play. That would be real realistic. <laughs> I don't. I can't sing, and I can't play. I can't play the radio and keep static out of it. So, um, do you hear that code with the radio? Radio. The radio. What's a radio? <laughs> I, I was going to clarify something for our north, northern listeners because he said carry him to the airport. Uh, that's southern for give him a ride. Um, yeah, they, See, I'm so southern. I didn't he, even pick he wasn't. Exp- yeah, he's not expecting Brian to come to his house and lift physically lift him up and carry him. He was going to. Yeah. So hey. just our northern listeners, I'm here for you. I got you covered. Here's another southernism. Okay. So growing up south, I always heard somebody's ill, and that meant that they were in a bad mood. Okay. Right. So somebody's ill. Well, then I started reading the Bible and like. The apostles and Jesus are healing somebody who's been at the gate who's been ill for 38 years. And I'm like, this <laughs> guy's a long time to be angry. <laughs> like, you've been angry. And so that's not what it means. It means he had an illness, yeah. which is that. So that's another southernism yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's me. I've been ill for 38 years. A, f- on th- a friend. A friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 a friend, a friend, a friend. So it's very important that we definitely define expectations. You know, if you look on, uh, if you hold your hands up, you know, shoulder, shoulder width apart, on one side you've got expectation, on the other side you've got reality, and the distance in between them is conflict. And what we want to do is we want to get expectation and reality as close together to minimize conflict. And the way we do that is by defining what a valid expectation is. It's got to be spoken, agreed upon, and realistic. And that goes in with setting healthy boundaries like Colby had mentioned before. Uh, and, and the unfortunate thing for many of us, if you're a people pleaser, 
is it's hard to understand that truth of what you say, mm. Colby. What's a complete sentence? No. Can you tell me a complete sentence? No. Why not? No. Because <laughs> I said no. Um, it's hard to be okay with saying no. But here's the thing that I'm learning. If you say no to the wrong things, it frees you up to say yes to the right things. And the right things are making sure that you have the proper priority. So we can't say priorities anymore, Joey. We've got to come up with another word. It's a word now. It yeah. just, <laughs> just didn't start out that way. So making sure that I'm... I'm going to say no to little tiny sparks here so I can say yes to the big forest fire. Yeah. And uh, you have said this, that there's only how many percent of stuff that only you can do? You've got it written on your board? 5%. Only 5%. 5%. Well, that's the stuff that you need to take care of is the 5% that requires you. Yeah, that, that's the, um, the stuff that only yeah. you can do. Yeah. And, and, folks, when it comes to your marriage, only you can be married to your wife, hopefully, Right. Yeah. Like, like, and only you can be the, the dad to your kids and, and make sure that you're carving out that time. You're, you're putting those boundaries in place. Maybe renegotiate your role with your church. Have an honest meeting with them. Listen to what they have to say about their expectations or try to ask the question why. Wasn't it you, Joey, that said you got to ask the question why five times? Five times to get down to the core of it. Why? why? <laughs> We've been together too long. We've been too long. <laughs> so here's one final thing that is super important is you need to understand what season you're in. Every season is not the same. And, Joey, you brought up a brilliant example about that with being in school or with preparing to advance in your career. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah. Uh, so sometimes families will go, listen, we're gonna, we understand that to get to the next level where we want to go, we've got to do this. We've got to get it. So you need to go to nursing school to get your nursing degree, which means you got to have time. So we are going to live in that season in roles that we otherwise are different than now. We're going to make different to meet that role. So you can have enough time to study. I'm going to help more with the kids. So because this is the end goal. But when that end goal comes, then that changes. And so if you're in that season, sometimes you run into seasons in ministry that require more time. Understand that season. Negotiate that with your spouse. Make sure they're on board with that too. But then have an end date and a reconnect date where you can reconnect after that season. And only let it be a season. Yeah, I, I, I heard one time before that the reason we can't get kids volunteers is we don't let them know that there's an end date. Yes. And we tell kids volunteers, you gotta serve from now until the rapture happens. That's and the end like, date. Nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and some of our listeners out there are going, that's exactly right. You gotta serve from now until Jesus comes back. But there is something valid about an end date. I'm currently reading through the four disciplines of execution. Great book. I mean, a great, it's been for me a game changer. Great book. But one of the things that they talk about there is you got to have a start date and end date um, and a deadline. Because an end date is not the same as a deadline. Mm-hmm. A deadline makes sure I get everything done so I can make it to the end date. And so when you negotiate these roles for whatever season you're in, maybe it's Easter. Like you're going to have to put a lot more work in on the front side of Easter. That's just how it works. You don't need to put that much work in on Memorial Day, right? Because Memorial Day is statistically one of the lowest attended Sundays. Don't fight it. Just have a guest preacher. Have your youth pastor preach that day. Take the day off. So you're going to have to renegotiate roles. Man, we restarted a church. We replanted a church. There was a lot of work in six months leading up to that. A lot of work. And I'll never forget after that first service when I finally got home at like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock that evening going, 
Now what? Right? Because there's always something coming around the bend, but when you renegotiate that role, understand, man, hey, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be putting more work in for this season, and thank you for your patience and grace, and we've worked through this together, and it's not a perpetual season. That's so good. I would I would always ask this question. I ask this question myself. How does my wife and how does my kids know that they are my number one priority? Mm. Man, that's such a deep and such a powerful question. What what am I doing to prove to them that they're my number one priority? Mm-hmm. Who and and maybe you know here's some extra credit, small church leadership listener land. Actually, ask them that. And tell them, I'm not going to be defensive and I'm not going to tell you why you're wrong. I want to hear, are my actions and, and my schedule and my pace of ministry, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like you're valued, like you're a priority? Whew. Lord have mercy, Jesus. That's some hard stuff right there to deal with, isn't it? Yeah. But these are the healthy things. Like, you know, if there's a poison in your body, we got to get the poison out. And oftentimes the poison is not having healthy boundaries, not having clear expectations, and not communicating on what it is. And so we know ministry's tough, guys. We hope that this podcast has helped you out to, man, really ask some difficult questions and at the very least giving you something to think about as you prepare to ask those difficult questions. So as we close here, we want to give you just a handful of additional resources. And so one of those additional resources is a book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. Henry Cloud talks about what it looks like to create and establish healthy boundaries. He talks a lot about that stuff that uh, Colby had mentioned earlier, that uh, it's okay to say no, that no is a complete sentence. And so that's something that will be very helpful to use. Uh, Joey, here's another one that was really beneficial to you that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, a weekend to remember. Uh, they do a weekend marriage retreat and uh <laughs> in a critical time in our marriage, because I didn't do some of this right. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And I, we run into a critical moment, a critical time in our marriage. And I, we went to one of these. Matter of fact, our conference sent us to one of these weekends to remember. And uh, it changed our marriage. And so I would highly recommend those. So it's called A Weekend to Remember. And you can check on that by going to familylife.com. Familylife.com. It's called A Weekend to Remember. Kobe, you've got a really good one. Yeah, so we've been uh, we've been doing emotionally healthy uh, discipleship here in the church, and uh, Pete Cazero, uh has put all that stuff together. He's got some great content, uh, but he has a course that he offers through his website. It does cost a little bit, um, but it's uh, emotionally healthy relationships. Uh, that's part of that's the second part of the uh, emotionally healthy discipleship course. Uh, you do emotionally healthy spirituality for eight weeks and then emotionally healthy relationships for the next eight weeks. And it's all about building those relationships and, and having those conversations. And the, the cool thing about this too is it's going to take time. Like you're not going to listen to this podcast episode and then hopefully you don't, this is not what we advise. Okay. Don't listen to this episode and then go to your board or your staff or your team and be like, all right. Doggone it. We're creating boundaries. They told me that we could do this. (laughs) Like Nehemiah rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem in record time, 52 days, but he didn't do it overnight, right? Like take some time to build this into your life. And then here's another one that would be really great for you to go to. Joey recommended this to me, and my wife and I went through this book not too long ago, actually earlier this year. It's called His Needs, Her Needs by Willard F. Harley Jr. And, uh, man, I tell you, it's a challenging, challenging book whenever you start looking at it and go, man, there are some places where I haven't, I've been saying with my mouth that you're the most important thing in my life, but my lifestyle hasn't proven that. 
And so don't be scared to have these conversations, renegotiate any roles that you may have to understand what season you're in, work together with your spouse and with your church and your team to make sure that you're eliminating stress as much as possible and living a healthy whole life in ministry. Yeah. Ministry can kill marriages, but they don't have to. Oh man. Say that again. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Marriages, uh, ministry kills marriages, but they don't have to. That's so There's good, some man. things that you can do to save your marriage. It's not worth losing your marriage. That's right. For ministry. That's right. And so guys, we hope that this podcast episode has blessed you. Colby, do you have anything extra that you'd like to share with the wonderful, amazing people of Small Church Leadership Land? We would love it if you would go to Facebook, type in the uh, in the search bar, Small Church Leadership, and you would be able to find us on social media, talk with us, chat with us, uh, let us know how things are going. Um, I also, I was, I was trying to find this. If you have access to Right Now Media, His Needs, Her Needs has a... Uh, yeah, they have a companion video uh, com- resource. There's, there's a resource on Right Now Media, and if you don't have access to Right Now Media, reach out to me because I'll give it to you. Oh, there we go. Colby said he'll give it to you, so reach out to him, all right, for the Right Now Media access. And, and Joey? And if you will go to wherever you're getting this podcast and give us a five-star rating and share it with somebody else. Because sharing is caring. That's right. So. Small Church Leadership Nation, we love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. This has been the Small Church Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we are hopefully and prayerfully, and you know what, confidently helping the small church fulfill the big mission. Next time, whenever we gather together, we're going to continue this series on ministry stress points. We're going to be talking about personal financial stress points. I like to joke all the time that I put the penny in penny costal. Come on, somebody. So we're going to talk about, <laughs> yes, I know it's not spelled that way. Okay. So we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about finances and the small church leader's life next time. So until then, we're praying for you and love you. I'm Brian. I'm Joey. I'm Colby and Brian's too young, too young for dad jokes like that. <laughs> and we shall see you next time, guys. Bye now.